Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Fairness is something we start thinking about at a very early age. That's not fair becomes a common refrain from children, especially with siblings after about the age of four. Even as adults, we have some sense of what other people have, what we deserve, and when we may not be getting a fair shake of things. Our sense of fairness appears to develop at a very early age. One of my favorite stories from a comedian in recent times wasn't really all that funny. It was the story of the comedian giving his two daughters bowls of food. One night, the comedian was finishing cooking at the stovetop and was serving a bowl for each of his girls. Now the older daughter was assisting, and it was her job to take the two bowls to the table so that the girls could start eating. The dad handed the first bowl to his daughter and said, give that one to your sister. So he took the two, she took the two large bowl in her two small hands and walked the whole four feet to the table and proudly put it in front of her sister, who immediately dug in. Then her dad handed her the next two big bowl and said, this one is yours. Now the little girl was hungry, maybe as hungry as the Israelites this morning. And she excitedly looked into her bowl as she waddled across the kitchen and then came to an abrupt stop. She turned to her dad and declared, but sister got more food in her bowl. That's not fair. The dad immediately stopped what he was doing and sat on the floor. He looked the little girl in her eyes and said, look, life is not fair. Some people are always going to have more and some people are always going to have less. But you never look in someone else's bowl to see if they have more than you. The only time you look in someone else's bowl is to see if they have enough. The landowner today reminds me of this father. The landowner has a vineyard full of work. He has gone out periodically throughout the day and picked up workers. Some workers labored all day long. Other workers only worked for an hour or two before quitting time. And when it comes time for the workers to get paid, our earthly sense of fairness dictates only one option. The workers should be paid based on the number of hours they put in. Those who worked all day should get the daily wage. Those who worked for two hours should get paid for two hours. That would be fair. But as my folks grew up telling me, there are only three kinds of fair in this world. The county fair, the state fair, and the world's fair. The landowner ends up paying every single worker, no matter if they worked the whole day or if they only worked two hours, the same wage. No matter how much or how little each worker worked, the landowner paid them for a full day's work. And that makes the guys who worked all day long quite angry. Like children seeing their sibling with more food in their bowl, they complain, but that's not fair. But as the landowner points out, they received exactly the pay they agreed upon. Their pay wasn't docked so that the workers who labored less could be paid. This was not a zero-sum game. The landowner has enough work to go around. The landowner has enough cash 
to go around. But as the landowner points out, the workers who worked all day and got paid for working all day are merely envious of those who worked less for the same reward. They are mad because the landowner is generous and because they did not get the better end of the bargain. They are mad not because they don't have enough in their bowl, but because the other worker also has enough in his. A friend of mine is working with his two children on sharing. One day, during the 45th fight these siblings had on a sharing a certain toy, one of his boys was whining about how it was his toy dog, and he wanted to play with it. Finally, my friend snapped, and in what was likely not the best example of parental communication, shouted at one of his sons, You do not own a dog. You do not know and own anything. It is my dog. It is all my stuff, and I just let you use it. And if you keep fighting over my stuff, I will take it to my room. His outburst worked, and at least for the rest of the day, the kids did not fight over the toy dog anymore. All of the people and things in our lives are God's. Our money, our homes, our planet, our time, our children, our lives. They are all God's. And it is only because we have a generous God, a God of abundance, that we are so fortunate to get to use his stuff for a time. We do not need to look in our neighbor's bowl to see if they got more. We do not need to see if they got more than they deserve or if they got the better end of the bargain. Are you envious because God is generous? If most of us were to answer that question honestly, I think we would all answer yes. As humans, our desire is for more. We feel that we've earned it, that we deserve it, that the world somehow owes us. But we do not deserve anything. All this is God's. He is merely allowing us to use it. Instead of being envious of our brother or sister, we should be grateful to the God from whom all blessings flow. But we are not the first humans to struggle with trusting our God to provide. When we return to the Exodus reading today, we see that the Israelites have forgotten whose people they are. They have forgotten that the God they worship is all-powerful and all-knowing. They have forgotten that the God they worship has chosen them. So God uses their desert time to remind them. God promises to rain down manna from heaven on all but the seventh day. They do not yet have the commandment to keep the Sabbath, but it's coming, folks. Now anyway, he tells them to collect bread enough to fill their bellies each day, except on the sixth day, when they should gather enough for the sixth and seventh day only. And what do they do? They hoard bread. They go out the very first day and collect way more bread than they could ever consume in a given day. And they wake up the next morning to find it spoiled. They take the gift of abundance and treat it as though it is scarce. They do not yet trust God to provide. They want a sense of control, and God is not having it. Over time, they learn to take in only what they need for that day, their daily bread. 
Each morning, bread abounds. Each evening, they go to sleep with full bellies. And the Israelites learn to rely on God. Could this year be our desert moment? The moment we realize that our God is not one of scarcity, but of abundance? The moment we realize that we are not in control of our lives, but God is. The moment we remember whose people we are. We are not Amazon's people, or Facebook's people, or even the American people. We are God's people. Look around you. Everything in this world is God's, for he made it. And he has entrusted you with enough. Not so you can compare whether your lot is just as good as your neighbor's, but so you can care for God's people, God's kingdom, and this life. The human concept of fairness is not a good measure of God. In this life, you will sometimes get exactly what was promised you. And other times, you will get generosity beyond what you could ever imagine. And when we really think about standing before God at the time of judgment, we don't want a fair God. We want a generous one. We don't want a just God. We want a merciful God. We do not want to get exactly what we deserve because we deserve nothing. We want grace beyond our understanding. And our God is a God of abundant grace. There is more than enough to go around. Instead of comparing our lives to our brothers and sisters, instead of comparing our labors to theirs, we should rejoice. Rejoice that we do not get exactly what we deserve. Rejoice that in the kingdom of God, there is enough for everyone. And rejoice that our God is not fair. Instead, he is generous. Amen.